You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast with my partner, Brian Siegler. I'm Curtis Wilson, and this episode is brought to you by Dr. Lord Jeremy Counts at Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. If you love this podcast, if you love the Hokies and the town of Blacksburg, make sure you are supporting Main Street Pharmacy when you make your way to town. Whether you need prescriptions, a tube of toothpaste, or just want to stop in and say hello, let Jeremy and his team take care of you. The money you spend at Main Street Pharmacy goes towards the things you support. So next time you're in Blacksburg, head on down to 301 South Main Street and tell them Curtis and Brian sent you. Curtis, how are we feeling tonight on this Tuesday? It's a Tuesday night, and we don't have a recap for the first time all year. No um, recap. No we, we are we are done with recapping the Hokies. No, no. we're never done recapping the Hokies. We're, <laughs> we're done recapping the Hokies this season. <laughs> this season, we're 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 done recapping games. We constantly recap the Hokies and all elements of it. But one of those things, me and Brian were saying, I'm going to be traveling for work next week. Do you want to punch it this week? I'm like, yeah, let's punch it. And it's also one of those things too. I told Brian, it's really weird because. I'm used to putting something together this week, right? Yep. We're used to putting something together this week because there's usually a game. Um, And like, okay, let's do it. We can figure out something. There's a ton of news coming out. We got a bunch of games to pick at the end to have some fun. Um, And then obviously with, you know, the portal opening up and, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about that and some other things. Um, But we're going to lead it off tonight with, the hardwood and not the gridiron. And we're going to talk about the Hokies hoops a little bit. And, you know, we, me and Brian were talking here. We are the, – the Hokies tipped their first game 21 days ago. They have played eight games since. <laughs> I have yep. – and, and we, we're being honest here. I have been able to watch really two games beginning to end. Or, yeah, three games. I'm on center of Minnesota last night. Three games beginning to end – and about too sparingly, where it's in and out, in and out. Um, the others I've been you know, following on GameCast and my phone. What about you, Ron? Yeah, I've, I've put away four start to finish, um, probably pieces of two others. And the other two I was just kind of following along. Um, 
when when We're I was yeah we we I was I was traveling during the uh, during the, uh, the the Charleston Classic so missed one of those um, and then um, got to see more than I thought I would though because of the way everything worked out with when we were kind of not doing stuff during that time, but um, still missed one of those. And then, you know, missed another one um, there, but I, I've, I've been following about as close as I can so far. So trying um, try, try as close as we can with, you know, jobs, families, you know, trying to watch and pay attention to football and all that stuff. It, it is, it's, I mean, attempting to follow basketball season is an absolute, grind grind um because there's so many games there throughout the week like last night i thought we were the nine o'clock and i look and it's like oh crap the seven o'clock i actually may be able to watch some of this without falling asleep (laughs) there you go and i did but before we talk about last night's game let's talk about the close call versus charleston southern brian um because that was a game i got to watch fairly off and on in and out and it was just one of those where, you know, it was the it was it was Black Friday. I, I don't know if necessarily the team looked enthused. Obviously, you're going to have a lesser crowd there, but I mean, they got taken to the limit by Charleston Southern last Friday night. Yeah, um, you know, it wasn't a great shooting night, especially from three. No, not at um, all. So. Um, you know, you, you actually got field goal wise, Charleston Southern was a hair better than you. Three point wise, they're almost 10 points, 10 percentage points better than you were. Um, you know, free throws is kind of where we won the game, if we're being honest. It is. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's, it's not even a joke we won the game because, you know, rebounding even. I mean, somebody made a point. I can't remember who it was. If you remember who it was you know, shout them out, making the point of why do guys have career nights? You know, there was, there were two guys that made an abundance amount of threes for Charleston Southern. They, one like couldn't miss. And one was like over 40%. Yeah. And guys that like career average are like seven a night go off on us all the time. They basically double up what they, their scoring is, but you know, the, the team hung in there. They pull it out at the end with a 69, 64 victory. Um, but then last night, the team woke up a little bit. I, I think, obviously, ACC Big Ten Challenge, which we'll discuss in a few minutes as this is the last year of it. Um, again, it's a Big Ten opponent. The students are back. That section was absolutely rocking last night. Yeah, it, it, it looked like a, the, a normal the castle. Yeah, looked it looked like, like castle. castle. Looked like castle. <laughs> so, you know, Hokies take a 67-57 win. They win by 10 they almost, it wasn't really that close. <laughs> it wasn't that close. It wasn't that close. And, you know, I'm sitting here watching it, and I have to go do a couple things, and I'm maybe away five minutes. And at that point, it was a, like, six-point game, and I come back and the run had started. And that run just propelled this game at the end of the first half to making it a cruise for the Hokies. Yep. Yeah, and, I mean – really looking at the second half too. I mean, other than probably the last, what, two or three minutes of the game, um, absolutely controlling the second half as well. 100%. I mean, there were times in that second half sitting here watching it, the Hokies are up 20 points. It doesn't yeah. even look like it, – it, it doesn't even look like they're struggling. They're, the, the ball's moving. Um, you know, 
they they destroy you know Minnesota on the boards last night a plus fifteen. Um, don't go to the line that often, which kind of surprised me. Usually you see a lot more fouls in these games, but just overall, it was a good team win. And you know, you know Justin Mutt does what he does, right? Sixteen points, you know, nine total rebounds. He stole the ball. He blocked some. He got some assists out of the paint. Yeah, I mean, he, he he's a guy that's now every game you can expect at or close to a double double. Um, 100%. somewhere somewhere between sixteen and twenty points. Uh, I mean, he's he's become that type of player. Definitely elevated um, production at the offensive end this year. Uh, he's not just you know a, a big that has some some ability that can also pass well. He's 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 got a lot more um, scoring to his game this year. That's really really helped up in the post there. Um, and, and we've seen, you know, Sean Padula take the, the, the big step that we were anticipating this off season. So that's, that's been a big bolster for the team as well. We just need to get him some help handling the basketball. We do. We do. I mean, Sean Padula, some, and it's been mentioned by numerous people. He has taken the step this year, you know, 17 last night. And in that first half and the early part of the second half, like he was, there were times he was just dominant. There are times he was just dominating with the ball in his hands, and it's great to see. But to your point, and maybe that's why the lead slipped back to 10, is there are times where he had to go off the floor, he kind of ran out of gas. And, you know, right now, if, you know, he goes off the floor, it's kind of a it's kind of a mishmash of who's going to handle the ball and bring it up the court. And no yeah. one is good enough like he is. So, you know, the, the big key right now, and we keep hearing the name and how big of a recruit he was, is when does Rodney Rice come back? Because the quicker Rodney Rice gets back, it is going to alleviate, you know, some of that pressure from certain guys, you know, who aren't, you know, natural ball handlers. And, and yeah. that goes to Rodney, and it's Rodney, Sean, and then the other guys sparingly when needed. Yeah, I, I know we had talked about originally that we were hoping to get him back for the classic. That didn't happen. Now it sounds like more like kind of right at the end of uh, end of the semester is potential. So we'll see if that is still a moving target or if that's more uh, of kind of a hopeful hopeful spot for him. Um, it, it'd be nice to get him in there and get some some action in there before we get into the heart. Uh, of ACC play, um, you know we're we're gonna get the one early against North Carolina, um, yeah. but it, you know if, if we can get him back by the you know and get him acclimated into the game by the time we get into the meat of the ACC schedule, I think that's probably the the most desirable outcome. Absolutely, and it's gonna be key because you know last night the team had fourteen turnovers. Their teams in the ACC, you do that against, it's not going to be a double digit win. It's going to be a double digit loss. And obviously we don't want that to happen. I tell you something else last night that, you know, sort of was a little bit impressive to me. Him drawing charges is always been impressive. I want to know if there is a stat out there for that because he drew, I think what three more last night, but just in general, you know, the way he draws charges, how he plays position defense it's getting better and better. And even when he's not on fire from outside or he's not, you know, giving you 10 to 12 points, what Hunter's doing on the defensive end is great. 
Yeah, Couture is definitely uh, taking a big step with his defense this year. Continues to impress on that end of the floor. Um, not quite taking as many shots as we saw at, at points last year. But we've also seen that you know he's not a guy that takes a lot of shots consistently. Usually he it, when he's hot, he's going to take the shot. If, if it's not quite fallen, he's not going to force anything. Um, he's not just, he's not that volume type shooter, but he is a very streaky shooter. When he, when he yeah. gets hot, he's very hot. Absolutely. Another guy last night that definitely chipped in with, you know, you know, getting people rest, being physical, giving up fouls. And last night as well, scoring was Poteet. You know, yeah. he had those four personal fouls, but he's a big bodied guy. You know, that's okay. That's what he needs to be there for. But 11 minutes and eight points, I mean, you tell me he gets us five every night and comes in and helps play good defense and be a physical presence. I mean, I think that's going to go a long way as the season goes um, for the rotation, for the rotation of this team, especially once Rice gets back. Absolutely. And we saw, you know, what, Lynn Kidd was out there for 16 minutes. We saw um, Collins out there for 21. So, um, we saw we saw some of the bench last night, and and they they showed a little bit of a um, little bit of action there. Uh, again, you said especially Poteet there, um, but I was I was impressed by what Kid was able to bring to the table as well. Yeah, and 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 it's all about in this case once you get Rice back, it's it's never be. I don't think with Mike Young, you're never going to see a guy do what Collins did consistently off the bench and get twenty plus minutes. I just don't think you see that, but it's. If they know their role, which I think Poteet knows his role, I think Kid hopefully learns his role. It, it's once you learn your role with Mike Young, that's how you get inserted. Because I think the way Mike works, and you take a look, the starters, the lowest was Mutz with 24, the highest was Padula with 35. Padula with 35 makes a lot of sense. But you, Mike Young is not a, I'm going to sub three guys at once. It's normally I'm going to sub one. Yeah. And I'm going to sub another one and another one. And it's going to be that rotation where he's never going to take his core off the floor. And, no. and it seems like that's the case this year. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, but usually Brian, usually two guys at a time is about the most you're going to see. Yep. But, Brian, there is a concerning stat um, for Virginia Tech and how we play basketball, and that's three-point percentage. Last night, 36%. We haven't shot over 40% since ODU. Yep. So the Penn State, both Charleston games, and that's four games we played eight. So half the games, you know, we have you know, not shot over 40%. And to be honest, you give me your opinion, I don't want to see last year again. But unless that gets up, and I'm going to pull the stats while you talk about it, unless that gets up to hovering closer to 40%, consistently every game there's going to be some long nights in ACC play yeah and I'd say the only positive I would take away from this is that this team has already shown the ability to win games even when they're cold from three which is encouraging as we get to ACC play but we know that you know the competition is going to ratchet up um, as as we get into the conference play we're not going to be able to have those Back 25. to back to back games where we're not, <laughs> not not uh, 
getting over 40% from three because, I mean, that, that we're a team that wouldn't say we live and die by the three, but our, our offense certainly cannot reach its pinnacle unless we're hitting the three-point shot. And just showing a difference, and this is last year, full year versus this year, just through eight games. Last year, Hokies 39-3 from three-point range. This year, 35-7. Yeah. And 4% of the volume, you know, when you're taking 20 shots a night, that's a few extra falling. And in tight games, that is the difference between winning and losing. I mean, it's definitely the difference between winning the Charleston Classic and not. It's true. I mean, we'll we'll say that. (laughs) And and, – and, and I tell you, one of the big things is not to knock the guy, but it's Maddox, man. What the, the, the last Maddox we saw is not the Maddox that picked up at the beginning of this year already. Yeah, the, the, the shot's not falling the way I think we thought it would. I thought, you know, I think we thought he was going to roll right, right back in and pick up where he left off last season. Uh, we're not seeing that out the gate. Um, some areas of his game have improved, which has helped – make this not as much of a problem. True. Um, but, you know, at, at some point we're going to need his shot to start falling for us to to reach the, the spot we want to in conference play. Yeah, and so far this year it's at 26%. And I know he was a – he was a, you know, kind of a bench guy last year and then kind of got more time. He shot 50% from three last year. And yet he only averaged like six and a half a game – but that number's got to get closer to forty. I'll be if you're telling me he's at thirty eight, thirty nine. I think I think we can live and we can live with that. Twenty five, I don't think we can live with. And yeah. I say that just us as fans taking our hats off, slamming, pulling our hair out, watching games because you mentioned earlier with Couture, it's a little different with Darius Maddox. Yep, exactly, exactly. He's, he is a volume shooter when he starts shooting so um you know we'll see big game obviously is on saturday with carolina excuse me on sunday with carolina coming into town at three in or excuse me at three in castle um it's going to tell a lot about this team win or lose yeah and, and you know in some ways it's probably not as great that we're getting carolina coming off of uh a loss there. Um, well, hold on. A loss, and then they got dropped seventeen spots in the. Po- I don't get the drop. <laughs> it's that's like a, a, that, that's a that's a very big. Yeah, I mean, if you just said eight or nine spots, I'd have been like, sure. Seventeen spots, and they lost to a top twenty team in quadruple overtime. It's like the. It's like the. I mean, they certainly aren't what we what. You know the polls said they were. We know that. We knew. We knew they were overranked to start the year. Yeah. <laughs> Why they shouldn't rank teams until the end of December in basketball? There we go. But the honest truth is, were the AP just just trying to set us up? Oh, they played Tech next. Let's just go ahead and drop Carolina way down here to put something on their minds as they go into Castle. Yeah. All right. Brian, we mentioned just a couple minutes ago about this is the last game of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. It's 23 years old. You know, obviously, I had my, my buddy Malik from work mentioned, like, he's a little bit younger than us, about 10 years. He, he's like, I grew up on that. I expected that every November. Yep. 
you know, really good interconference. And, you know, and I'd say for us, it's similar. We were a little bit older, but it was one of those times in, you know, you know, high school, college, after the week after Thanksgiving, you were expecting oh, it's going to be some good basketball games on midweek, right? Exactly. This this time of year, I mean, you, you kind of get those higher profile matchups that you're not necessarily used to, right? So um, it was always good, um, good matchup. And and I know we're moving into a new era with the uh, with the SEC coming in. Yeah, uh, that's going to be interesting. Who is who is your who do you want first? Well, it's obvious to me. You've got to let Tech play A and M with Buzz there. <laughs> And and the, the honest truth is just because they have to put it at Castle. Yeah. You can't put it down in Aggie Land. You have to put it at Castle. Make it matter more. Make it matter a lot more. Um what about you? Are you on that train or are you, you know, a little different? You know what? Um I'd like to see us finally get over the Florida hump, so I'd I'd like to get Florida. Okay. Okay. That's a good one. That's a good one as well. That's a good one. And, you know, a, a lot of interesting matchups. And obviously, a lot of people are saying, well, why did this happen? Well, A, the Big Ten, they're losing. The the ESPN is essentially losing every right to the Big Ten. Yep. This wasn't just a football. For everybody that says it's a football move, it is mostly about football. But they've lost a all the basketball stuff and like that. So now – why wouldn't they pivot to their two biggest, uh, you know, investments in the ACC and the SEC? And for the ACC, you're from doing this challenge. You're probably going to see a revenue bump. Um, obviously, uh, you're going to probably see more ACC games in the weekday, getting ESPN, ESPN two treatment versus being shuffled around to the network when it's not a big game. So more notoriety. Um, and, you know, for us, probably as a region, a few more matchups. You know, we talked about A&M and Brian mentioned Florida. I mean, what about Tennessee? Yeah. I mean, you know, when the when Tennessee, it, when that becomes sort of a, uh, you know, when they decide to have those two teams play, a lot of people will come up out for that. So, um, and, you know. Who knows? I, th- I think it'll be interesting. And again, you still have just thinking higher level ACC. You still have your blue bloods. I mean, you know they, you know, Kentucky with Carolina and Duke. Um, you know, Florida, Tennessee, obviously being good. You've got enough firepower on both sides where it's yep. still going to stay intriguing. For sure, and I mean, we've seen the SEC take big steps in basketball probably the last decade too, where um, you know they were kind of very middling for a while, and now they're they're very much in the kind of the top tier there. So, hundred percent, hundred percent. Let's talk real quick. Two notes: um, women's hoop now ranked number nine in the country. Give them a clap. Continue to win. Um, including smashing our Longwood the other night, which Longwood was a tournament team last year, and I think they expected to compete in the Big South again this year. Don't quote yeah, me. I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to quite reach the heights they did last year, but they were certainly supposed to be competitive in that conference, and they got 
their ass waxed. What, what was this final score? Was it like 87 37? 80, was it 89 28 or something like that? Oh, I thought they broke 30. Ugh. Oh, that hurts. That hurts a lot. He's pulling it up here. Yeah, you mentioned it earlier when we were talking about it, and it was like, we got to mention this because they. 89 28. I was right. 89 28. 61 points. Did Longwood even break double digits in any quarter? Hang on. Let's see. Uh, this is just purely me entertaining myself now. <laughs> uh, they got 11 in the third. Oh, God. Did they get under five and a quarter then? <laughs> oh, they did. Yeah. they, op- they o- Opening quarter, it was 20 to four. Oh man! Oh, the beauty! And of and, and and we put the we, we slammed the door too twenty seven to seven in the fourth. So <laughs> under tens on the back. So I ain't talking. I'm doing the math here. So seven, eleven, and six in the third. A six point quarter. Six six in the second. So yeah. it was four four six eleven seven. <laughs> Barely broke double digit out, guy. Well, you know what? Kenny has got good things going with the uh, women's hoop team. Obviously, nationally recognized up there now, and obviously, um, you know, as well as with the ACC uh, SEC men's challenge, it's going to become an, a women's challenge as well. And obviously, that probably is much better for the women's product. Yeah, because the SEC women's basketball overall is better, and you know the ACC as well. Will with Tech doing good, with Louisville playing well, with a couple other really good programs, State. So they throw South Carolina in the mix there with with those groups oh, yeah. for that. Yeah, I just that, that like, do y'all got want to play them? No, no, that'll, that'll kill some confidence. You playing the the, the Lady Gamecocks down there because they are crushing it. They should let UVA play them. Since Dawn played, since Dawn was an elite player at UVA 30 plus years ago. There we go. All right. So we'll, we'll close the book on talking about hoops here. A lot of fun. Again, hoops is such a long season. Um, you know, we'll, we'll try to hit games as we're on here and there. Obviously, you know, we'll, we'll talk about some of the games when we're back in a couple weeks and, you know, how the team's looking overall. All right, Brian, let's flip. Let's talk about some college football news and notes. And the college football game of headsets has returned. The starting off, 15 openings. Yeah, it's, that's uh, – That is a 10% of the damn uh, 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 that's That's a big damn number right there that we got to fill in here. And we're moving pretty quickly to filling in. You know, we're about what – a third of the way there? We are a third of the way there, and we are only a few days after, you know, Black Monday. Or we're a day after Black Monday, excuse me. But one of those roles got filled last week. Um, saw it, didn't mention it, just a lot more going on. But UNC Charlotte, who had fired Will Healy earlier in the year, hired the associate head coach for Michigan, Biff Poggy. Uh Poggy did some research on him. Longtime high school coach up in Maryland. Uh, cannot remember the high school's name. What won multiple, multiple state titles. Put a lot of D1 prospects, um, including Blake Corum at Michigan, where he decided to go and coach. Um, but, you know, it seems like they 
club lit in UNC Charlotte is being shut down, and it sounds like <laughs> put in there. Club lit is kaput, kaput, dead. And they're bringing a guy named Biff in. I don't think there's going to be a lot of club lit. I think there might be a lot of uh, a lot of running. I think so. I think so. I wonder if they're going to throw butthead out, out there a lot. You know. Ah, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Let's start with some of the other bigger hires. And let's start with probably the biggest program hire. Um, and it's Nebraska. And it's Matt Rule, you know, you know, got fired from the Panthers just a, you know, a couple months ago. Such success at Baylor. Such success at Temple. He gets an eight-year contract down there. My buddy, again, Malik, multiple shout-outs. I have to tell him tomorrow at work. Listen, um, <laughs> Malik's like, he's got the best agent in the world. He's getting like $68 million from Tepper, and now he's got an eight-year deal from Nebraska. Um, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think of the hire, Brian, with Rule going to Nebraska? Um, I think it's a decent fit. Um, you know, I, I, th- I think he kind of knows the lay of the land there um, in general um still within kind of that recruiting footprint that we, that he was used to before um we'll see if anyone can bring nebraska back from the from the brink here um it, it's kind of unfortunately mirrored us a little bit and kind of been in the doldrums but competitive and then kind of fell off the map a little bit so we'll see if um we can uh kind of get back where we need to with this program and see if rules the guy to do it. Well, with rule, I think it's going to be more interesting to see if he can get back just at the Pelini level. Yeah. The eight, nine wins a year, occasionally a 10, because that wasn't good enough for him. And I think Pelini was, a, even though he was a hothead, Pelini was a football guy. I think well, Pelini absolutely got canned too early because Nebraska thought they thought it was still the nineties. And <laughs> what what wasn't and I get not I get having goals and I get not being content with just being an eight or nine win team, but you've got to support the guy that's there and see if you can build around him to get there instead of just firing a guy and thinking you're gonna, you know, go hire the the next up and coming G five guy and think that that it's gonna happen. It's true, man. It's true. I think the big thing with Rule, though, and the one thing that uh, you, you kind of read was how he tried to create a culture in the NFL like he did in college. That doesn't work in the NFL. No. In college it does, though. And I think at a place like Nebraska it can work. Now, obviously, he's made a huge move in getting Satterfield from South Carolina to come over. And as yep. a guy he's familiar with, it's a guy we've already seen. Obviously, he's paid dividends for Shane. Um going to be interesting to see who Shane fills in with that spot but you know Nebraska going with the eight-year deal says a lot because it's almost like they're giving him a two-year freebie and then probably a three-year you know let's see what you got but I mean I'll give the hire an A he was the biggest name out there right biggest name out there um, Definitely the biggest name out there that didn't already have a job somewhere else. True, true. The biggest free agent out there. Maybe that's what we should say. All right. Let's flip to this one next, Brian. Um, not a big a name because I'm going to go with the big names and then we're going to hit the actual affecting of the uh, Hokies at the end here. But Arizona State hires Kenny Dillingham. 
Kenny Dillingham is 32 years old. So go ahead and put that out there. He was born in 1990. Um, he obviously recently had been at Oregon as their offensive coordinator for this one year. Before that, two years at Florida State under Mike Norvell. And then before that, he was with he was at Auburn under Gus in 2019 and then back with uh, Norvell in 2018 at Memphis and 2017 at Memphis. Young guy, Arizona State grad. Um and I think Arizona State's in a little bit of flummox right now of what's yep. going on, uh, you know, because of the whole Herm situation and all the stuff that was going on there. I feel like they just decided to say, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're kind of just going to go on somebody who was here, you know, less than 15 years ago, probably understands the culture and all that stuff about what we need to be competitive here at Arizona State. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they are able to do out there because I I feel like they've kind of lost their way. I feel like that that was kind of a somewhat consistent program for a while. Uh-huh. And it's going to be seen if they can kind of get back in that mix in the Pac-12 to, to really be competitive because they, they've really kind of fallen off the map a little bit there the last it's few true. years. And the Pac-12 is getting easier. I mean, in the next few years with, you know, with USC and UCLA moving, it's going to become an easier conference to compete in. And, you know, again, I I, I think this is just a culture hire. Regardless what the offense looks like and all that, I think it's just if it's someone, he went here, he's one of us, he understands what we do, he understands where we can be and what we can do. Um and, and sometimes that's that's all you need. You need a voice and someone who's familiar with everything. So um, I'll probably I'll say a C on this one. Obviously, it's all you know. Come three years from now, uh, you know, for the guys who can do those shows, I tip my hat to you because <laughs> research because you know. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you on a C. Uh, to, to be continued to see what what this how this turns out, but all right. Now, the next two I don't think we're going to grade a C. The first one is it broke Sunday. I know I sent you guys the thing about 11 o'clock. Luke Fickle leaves Cincinnati. And and kind of a shocker to some people, especially Wisconsin had looked better under Jim Leonard. Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. Go, Brian. What do you think? Yeah, I mean that I'm going to go A minus here. I mean that's that's as big of a hire I think as Wisconsin could have pulled other than sticking with with Leonard. Yeah. Um and you know it's a guy that's going to come in and immediately have um I think success. I think he's going to have have that locker room. Um how quickly he kind of gets things going in terms of being competitive for the actual conference title, I think is in question, but I think he'll definitely kind of get them back to that you know, roughly around 10 win level that we're kind of used yeah. to Wisconsin being at uh, and they're right not, out the gate. They're not that far from it either. No, I, I, I still think Paul Chris pissed somebody off. I do. I still think he pissed somebody off in that administration. And they were just like, you get start this season off bad. You're going bye-bye. And he did. And that's what happened. Um, as far as it goes, I'm more interested to see from this 
if there are any players that will leave, especially on the offensive line. <laughs> are there any players that – because if we look at Vickle's style and what he's been running at Cincinnati for those years, it's not that power-based game. It's a little bit more of a spread. It's a little bit, you know, a little bit different of an offense than what they've been doing at Wisconsin. And if he's give me a tackle in the center, there you go. That's all Brian. (laughs) Even even if they haven't played that much, that's all Brian wants because at least you know body movement. They know what Joe wants, but that's going to be interesting to see what he does though. If he takes that and goes into Wisconsin and decides we're going to try to run this offense, and if it will work, because basically Wisconsin's ran the same offense for thirty years since Alvarez was there. More and, or less, yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, Fickle was under Trestle for all those years and under John Cooper where they did a lot of the similar stuff, um, you know, back in the 90s and early 2000s. So super interested to see how it goes. Again, I'm with you, A-minus on this. Probably couldn't have got a better, at least culture fit, knows the Big Ten, knows recruiting footprint. Um, probably going to be able to up that game a little bit there. All right, Brian, this is the one that probably made me the happiest thus far. (laughs) The Auburn Tigers war damn eagle decided to come down to Lynchburg and get Hugh Freeze out of there. God. There we go. Um, What's your grade on this one? (laughs) A plus. No, seriously, A plus. Hugh Freeze has proven both at Ole Miss – where he was getting top-notch players, maybe not the most <laughs> honest of ways. <laughs> Which doesn't he, matter as much now. <laughs> it does not matter as much now. But 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 still, you can't do the things he was doing to get players. That's still illegal. Very true. <laughs> but Very, there, there are other ways above board to lure recruits to your school true. now. Now there is. But I think what he's done at Liberty – because down there he showed he could take some of the best talent in the country right out of high school, develop them, beat Alabama, compete in the SEC. Um, but I think what he's done at Liberty, too, is he's shown you how good his coaching chops are, taking cast off, taking three stars, taking two stars, and really turning them into a team that can be competitive with just about anybody in the country. And when it comes to a place like Auburn – He's going to probably have top 15, top 12 classes. He's going to have some really good big-time recruits. But I think what he's learned at Liberty is I can dip my toe into the transfer portal, into the transfer market, and I can plug holes. Somebody asked me today, you think Saban's shaking his boots? Like, no, Saban's not shaking in his boots, but Saban knows it's getting a lot tougher now because he knows Hugh Freeze somehow, he's got the kryptonite. One of the only guys that's ever beat Saban multiple times. Yeah, I think so. I'm not as high on the grade as you. I'm 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 back in the A minus range on this one. Um, but I say that with a caveat. And before I get there, let me go ahead and say this. Um, like st- like stat of the day, fun fact: Auburn's last three hires have been former Arkansas State head coaches. It is now a requirement <laughs> that if you're going to coach at Auburn, you have to have a stop at Arkansas State. 
you have to go through the Arkansas State path there. That has to be part of your career path. So, but I like this from the standpoint of he's shown a propensity to be able to recruit in the SEC players that can beat the teams you have to beat to potentially play for and or win the conference. True. And he's shown the ability to get a lot out of players that once he gets them in house, right? So he's he's taken yeah. cast offs, he's taken um, you know, three star guys and developed them into to better players than than their grade were. He's taken two star guys and done the same thing there at Liberty. So um you know, there there are things about this that I like a lot. Um obviously from an Auburn perspective, you're getting baggage with this hire. So that's why it's not an A plus in my perspective. And because you get baggage, the hook is going to be there, I think, quicker than you'd like to like it to be. So th- th- this is on freeze to show his ability in the first two years to at least get one of those marquee wins. He will. Or that fan base is going to get antsy because they have a, 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 a easy out to get him get him out there. All right, are you ready? And I'm going to ask you this, and you be straight up with me because of yep. how they did Gus. If they give him two years and they pull the plug, are they about to become Tennessee for what we saw for almost 15 years after they? Oh come? yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They are about to fall into the Tennessee trap for sure. Okay, if, just, if, if this doesn't work out, they will be in the Tennessee trap. And the thing is, I think he can coach, but I think it might take – it could take four years. It could take four years. Or it may not because he may come in there and say, you're out, you're out, you're out. I'm going to recruit well, and that's for four years now, but I'm going to bring a bunch of – And I, I think he has that ability. The yeah. question is, is that if it doesn't happen in two years, because, because of the baggage, because you hired a coach with baggage – it's going to be a lot easier to talk yourself into getting rid of him. True. That, so that, that's that's the downside of hiring a coach with that much baggage. And that's that fan base in general. Yeah. All right. I'm still at an eight. I mean, look at their basketball coach. I mean, and that's you know we're we're not comparing the two, but we'll compare the two a little bit. <laughs> All right. Last one that had broken so far. I don't know if any other. Let me pull up Pete Thamel before I. Uh, Put the last one on here. Yeah, I'm doing this live. I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's just like, yeah, screw it. Uh... Nope, he's just I, confirming, I what, he, he's confirming what we were just about to talk about, and that is that Georgia Tech is going to retain Brent Keys as its head coach. Now, this wasn't the news as of Sunday. As of Sunday, the deal was it looked like Willie Fritz from Tulane was going to get um, pulled in. That deal sort of died. And to me, when I saw that, I I can't take Georgia Tech seriously because you're going, you know, say it. I mean, you know a little bit more about Fritz's offense than I do. You can kind of say what it is. So the comparison that I made – was that if you're going to hire a 62-year-old head coach, you need to find more of a Mac Brown type than a guy that runs a niche offense when you're already trying to break the mold of the guy that you had previously that ran a niche offense. Um, 
you know, and, and we can make the, the arguments that they probably tried to do too much too quick with that offense mm-hmm. uh, under Collins. 100%. Absolutely. Um, but I don't think that you need to kind of go the other direction and say that we're only a, a, a school that can run a niche offense now. I don't, I don't think we're at that point with Georgia Tech. Um, but, you know, if you did that, if you, if you went the two-lane route, um, you'd, be, you'd be essentially saying we only have a three- to five-year plan, and that plan is to re- remain a niche offense and not be able to recruit offensive talent to this team. Inle- yeah. Unless you're unless you can just run the shit out of the football. Exactly. Um, I mean, Keys did fine. Four and four, he beat us. Well, I'm gonna take that back. We beat ourselves. Well, let's just stop that right there. Um, he, di- he didn't let his team uh, <laughs> implode or quit. Yeah, exactly. He didn't exactly. Didn't let his team quit, and 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 he was able to keep them together for that whole game and was able to make the plays at the end that they needed to make after we shot ourselves in the foot. Very true. But he's a he's a he's a Georgia Tech alum. He played there back in the I believe it was late 1990s, early 2000s when they were a solid program. Um you know, he, I I read here on Thamel's tweet that he was a team captain there. Um you know, he he coached under Saban in Alabama. Um I just for him, I mean, he'll be given four, five, six years. Because I don't, I don't just seeing what he's done this year. I don't think they're ever going to be as bad as they were under Collins. Which I'm still trying to figure out what went on, where Jeff Collins just fell off a cliff. Um, but at some you, point, you got to actually coach. You can't just talk. Yeah, it's just like a, it's a, it's a C plus, B minus, higher. It's nothing great. It's just steady. You want to keep the locker room together of a. You know, team that went four and four. I mean, the most impressive game to me is what they did Saturday. I, I, I had that game up, and to say that they hung around with Georgia almost three quarters, like it was still yeah. a competitive football game. That's impressive because of the talent disparity there. Um, and again, I think for them, it's like he's a homegrown guy. Let's give him five or six years. Obviously, he's not going to suck as bad as Collins does. And we'll move on. Well, obviously he knows how to put together a game plan and get the players ready to play a lot better than Collins. Collins did not. All right. So, Brian, of these remaining openings, list them off one by one, which one interests you the most of where who gets who? You still got Colorado open, Stanford's open, USF, FAU, Tulsa. <clears throat> Tulsa. UAB, Cincinnati, <laughs> Western Michigan, UNLV. Which one interests you the most? Um, so I've got a one A, a one B, and then I've got an honorable mention. No, 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 no. This is one. All right, one 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 is going to be Cincinnati, just because they are going to be a Power Five um, yeah. program. Okay, and I think I think they have the ability from where they're located. And the competition they're going to be playing, I think that's going to going to be a big thing for them. All right, I'm going to give you this one, and, and it's going to shock you. I'm interested to see what happens in Tulsa <laughs> because 
Okay. I am interested to see if they a certain uh, certain uh, coach uh, that could be remain nameless gets that job. Y'all know, y'all know who I'm talking about. I am interested to see if they will hire him to essentially come where he grew up to coach a football team that uh, really had been a solid little program, and in the last three or four years had really went downhill um, under Philip Montgomery. You know, I'm interested for that one. What's your one B? Just because I got I got to do a one B too. I want to see what happens with Colorado. All right. All right. I, th- I think that's an interesting because they've shown that that's a program that's kind of highs, lows, sometimes in the, like you, you can never really know what to expect with them. No they can, they can get on a, they can get on a run with the right combination of recruiting and coaching where they can play with any team in that conference. And then they can also look like absolute dog shit. There's just, I mean, it's all over the place. So I feel like who they bring in is going to, can they bring some consistency is consistently what they want, or are they fine with the boom and bust and looking like a team that could, you know, challenge Oregon or USC one year. And then looking like, you know, two years later, look like a complete dumpster fire. Couldn't get out of a paper bag, wet paper bag. The one I'm interested in, my one B, is Stanford. I that was my, what they do. That was they my honorable. Mike, <laughs> they should call Mike Elko up right off the bat. Go ahead and call Mike Elko up. You know they're more. They're You're more trying like, to get Elko out the ACC already. <laughs> get him out of here. Well, we know what happens when Duke gets good coaches. We 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 we've saw it with you know you, you go through the years with Duke, whether it's Spurrier. Or Cutcliffe, if Duke gets a good coach, they may not win 10 games every year, but they're going to be a goddamn thorn in your side constantly. Yeah. All right. One last thing before we head to break here, Brian. Um, really cool to see it was announced earlier this week. D'Angelo Hall, D. Hall, you know, DBU's own, is going into the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. Um, That's big. Really great honor for him. And, you know, you know, the guy who played close to a 13, 14 years in the league, obviously big-time player at Tech. And, and now he's getting this honor bestowed of him that, you know, you look through, I look through the day, you know, Frank's in there, Bruce Smith's in there, Frank Loria, you know, Carol Dale amongst others. And probably over the next few years, probably going to see a lot of Hokies go in there yeah. probably starting with D hall guys, you know, essentially born or you know, did things in the state. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Guys that, you know, especially during the, the, the big run there in the two thousands, this is kind of the one, you know, the start of that. So, you know, we'll see how many more kind of follow in and D hall steps here with, I mean, this is the, a big first step here. Uh, so good, very, good for D hall. Yeah. Very good for him. All right, so before we get into just a couple more things to discuss tonight, we are going to take a quick pause from our digital partners. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode. All right. So Brian, just a couple more topics to hit on tonight. Let's start. First of all, it was announced late this afternoon. This was not on our docket until it was announced. Um, the all ACC teams, which for Virginia Tech of the first, second and third teams, there were none, unfortunately. There were six honorable mentions. Um, you know, I think I think me and you kind of agreed. Probably Dax should have at least got on one. You could argue third team for Dax for sure. You could argue hardcore. Um, but maybe it's just a snapshot of kind of where this team was talent wise, and for some folks who maybe did not believe the talent, you know. What, there was a disparity there. This usually tells it because, you know, usually you get at least a handful on a team regardless of your team's record. You usually get it like a couple third teamers even when you're, you know, in the doldrums, right? So, um, you know, I think if, if Garbett had played 12 games, he probably is a third teamer uh, as well. So, you know, you, you make – may ask the question on that one. Obviously, you know, we played one, one fewer game. You know, it's, it's one less data point to put out there. True. Um, relative to competition. So that has to be taken into account. And like I said, with Garbett sitting out, um, you know, another two, um, you know, that, that's a pretty big and, and playing hurt, honestly, for, for half of those that he did play in. So yeah. uh, I think Garbett, had the when he when he played when he was healthy and playing it to his potential was definitely at least a third teamer but you know missed two um you know, didn't play one because of the the cancellation so that hurt him yeah i think if caleb had, had had a stronger final two games you know he'd be in the conversation probably for third team as well yeah but again none and it's the first time i think since night i think david teal said 1990 32 years ago that there were tech had none. So, you know, we got a long ways to go. We know that. So it's going to be really interesting how it goes. And it kind of flips to our next subject here. And we're going to talk about the portal. And the one thing I know, I got a chance to listen to the presser with Brent Pry. And basically he mentioned that between a plethora of things, they're going to be having conversations with roughly 35 to 35 players um about different options they have and you know we know there's going to be some draft stuff there's going to be about guys if they should come back into the portal uh and we, we kind of already i think we figured out there was one already that had taken place before the end of the day monday and that is uh dj harvey uh you know the four-star kid out of california the cornerback uh has already put his name in the portal yeah, and we saw his role diminish um, to close out the year. Um, some of that was how well Delane came on um, in the back half of the season. Um, I think some of that was, you know, some of the things that Tucker was doing uh, in practice that, you know, 
looking at that role as as best punt returner. So it was just a combination of factors. And you know, DJ Harvey's a talented kid. I know he's going to land somewhere and 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 make a splash. But you know, look like just how the how the things were trending. You know, staying sticking with the Hokies probably wasn't going to be his best opportunity to see the field a lot uh, come next year. A hundred percent. And again, sometimes you've got the, you're going to see kids that you, they've got to do what's best for them to get on the field. And sometimes yeah. that writing is on the wall and it's, you know, you know, and, and now you, I'm sure you'll have some kids that will say, you know, I'm going to stay. I think I can beat these guys. Um, I know don't, don't call to coach Robbie Compton about this. It, it fires him up every time a kid enters the portal. Um, but we sit here and it does hurt depth. It hurts yep. depth a little. Absolutely, bit. It absolutely. It hurts depth a little bit. Um, but again, you're talking about a kid that is legitimately across country from family, and it's one of those things where how tough is it to say? Well, I'm really going to be fighting to get into the two deep next year. Yeah, it's he's essentially be- scrapping to keep a spot somewhere in the two deep, um, yeah. even if you have. Um, the attrition of, of Chapman. Right. So um, that's kind of the situation he was looking at. And then you, you've got a, a big class of, of DBs coming in as well this year. Big class. Uh, and you, we it, see, we saw Mansoor already. We've saw Cam Johnson play. Um, yeah. The other piece is now, and, and maybe this is one of the factors, Dorian Strong technically got a red shirt this year. Yeah. So Dorian Strong will not be out after next year. He has potentially two years of eligibility left. Is that something that shaped the decision as well? There's so many things, and you know, you don't want to speculate, but you just kind of try to read the tea leaves. You know, and any all these kids who are going to be entering the portal and leaving tech, you know, you tip your hat and you hope the best for them. Absolutely. What happens. Yeah, I um, mean, you know, when we say once a hokey, always a hokey, that's that's truly what it's about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we wish DJ nothing but the best. Hopefully he lands on his feet somewhere that can, can maximize his talents and give him the op- opportunity to shine. It's a hundred percent. And I saw something and I, I, I lost the tweet just a few minutes ago, but one of Norfolk state's coaches put out there, like the, the essentially in the last just handful of days, close to 2000 players, at all levels, have entered the portal. That's wild to think that many people have entered the portal um, in just this short amount of time as the season is wrapping up. And, you know, it's one of those things, for, for a lot of those kids, I'm hoping that the degree is in hand or the degree will be in hand by April. Because we saw last year, there were a lot of kids that did not get homes. And when that happens, I mean, you, you feel for them in a lot of ways. But, you know, you've got to make the right decision for you. But, you know, sometimes, you know, hey, you should get in the portal. You can you can play elsewhere. And, like, reality, like, you know, you, you need to work on getting your collegiate degree. Not necessarily don't take football seriously or put it second. Yeah. But they're, they're – you know, you, you don't want to say don't chase your dream, but in some ways you've got to have good counselors. And that's where you hope the coaches of a team 
are really thinking about what's the best interest of the player, not what's the best interest of the program, because so many people can get screwed. Yeah, and I think you see a lot of problems with players trying to make lateral or quasi-lateral moves, right? So guys that are like dropping down a division or a level tend to find a home. Guys that have shown the ability to jump up a level tend to find a home. Um, and then guys kind of at the top end um, that are jumping in the portal usually find a spot on a blue blood or a contender, somebody that's kind of in win now mode. It's those guys that are coming from a mid tier program and trying to go to another mid tier program that often kind of slip through the cracks, right? It's very true. It's very, very true. Um, so again, it's going to happen more probably by the time we get back in a few weeks, which we're, we're kind of thinking we're going to work on who's gone. Where do we need to fill? Are there people in the roster to fill? Um, it's probably going to be a lot bigger, and maybe we have some some ins as well as outs um, during that point in time, but we'll see. But it is that season, and I'm sure, Brian, you probably were like me. You saw some kid hit the portal, and you immediately went up and looked up, eh, is, what's the stats look like? Did he play a lot? Oh, it's an offensive line. Was, was, he, was he recruited previously by our current staff? Yes, in so many, <laughs> so many ways. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be some bat signals and some tea leaves out there as this goes on for the next few weeks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because we kind of get a little bit of a a bump on the on the recruiting front from a portal perspective. Just as we kind of go into you know si- uh, early signing day, especially with early signing day being later in December than it normally is, we get a little bit of a of a rise in the portal, you know, ahead of that this year. So that's going to be nice. 100%. All right, let's go real quick, Brian, before we talk about championship week and all the games we're going to take a look at here. And let's talk about the playoff rankings from about number 15 all the way up. And Brian, um, let's go through this and let's just say if we have (laughs) anything. You ready? Okay. Yep. All right. Number one, Georgia. Any issue? No. No, not here either. Number two, Michigan. Any no issue? problem. No problem. TCU at three. I'm fine with it. I, 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 you could put USC there, and I'd, I'd be just as fine with it. Uh, USC four. I'm fine with it. I'm more impressed USC how they won Saturday night with more of a controlled offense, which we have not ever seen from Lincoln Riley. Usually, Lincoln Riley wants to score in 90 seconds. Every touchdown they had was. Three minutes or more Saturday night, Notre Dame, which was that's impressive. It it showed that they can play a pace of play they will need to play in the college football playoff. Damn right. All right. Number five, Ohio State. 21 point loss in the horseshoe. Worst loss in a long time there to Michigan. I think 86. Any issue with them being five, though? No, because of the teams that are still behind them that we're about to talk about. All right. This is where it gets fun for Brian right here. Hey, Brian, number six is Alabama. Back them up. To what number? You got to at least put them behind wherever the fuck you have Tennessee. Tennessee seven. So they need to be eight. Well, unless, so, you're moving, well, unless you're moving Tennessee up. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, Penn State takes a bump, goes up to uh, number eight. That's I fine. With that. I have a little issue with this one, though. Um. Clemson only dropped a one after a loss to number nine. 
I, yeah, I don't I, get that. I'd put them behind K-State. I might even put them behind Utah. Yeah, there's a couple things they could be behind. I don't think you can go as low as where we're going to look at FSU. Um, but them only dropping one just kind of just befuddled me. Um, Kansas State 10, no issue there. Be the, a, a solid Kansas team. The next two are where I kind of have an issue. So Utah beat the absolute dog crap out of Colorado like everybody has this year. And they moved up three spots. Washington beat a better Washington State team in, in Utah's 11. Washington's now 12. Washington moved up one spot. Um, I don't get that whatsoever. I know Utah's going to be playing the championship game. I feel like that's the only reason is they're – you know, basically trying to get it the highest matchup possible. All right, last three here. Florida State at 13, LSU at 14, and this is a really great story. Oregon State at 15. What did we talk about last week, Brian, that in the future when there are teams who are right there, right there, hey, listen, beat your rival, you're likely in the playoff. Yep. That happened at Oregon State's home field. They knock off Oregon. Oregon's out of the Pac-12 championship. And if this was a 12-team playoff, they're gone. They're done. Yep. And why those games are going to matter more. And I think Tulane is now 17. Um, Tulane on the cusp of getting – it's either going to be them or uh, UCF to get a New Year's Six Bowl. So there are those rankings. Um and again, again, I just look through it at the lens of twelve every time, and you know, you throw Tulane in there, it'd be Tulane, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC, and Clemson, leaving Ohio State, Alabama, Tennessee, Penn State, Kansas State, and uh, probably Washington or FSU would sneak in the back door. Yep. And while last week's going to be important, it's why this week's going to be important. And let's turn on the big screeners, Brian, and wrap this episode up tonight. Ten championship games, starting Friday night, running through Saturday. Saturday could be one of those days where if you're going to do something, do it really early. After the United States win over Iran today and going to the group of, what is not group play, knockout play. Knockout knockout stage. For the first time in 28 years since it was in the States. And they're playing the Dutch <laughs> the Dutch. Um, on Saturday morning at nine o'clock. Yeah. So that game backed up by a bunch of championship games by Friday night games. If you have Christmas shopping to do, you might want to wait till Sunday. Just saying, folks. Just saying. But let's start it here. Uh, Friday. Night. The first one is going to be the Conference USA Championship. Two Texas team, North Texas versus UTSA. The line is eight and a half. Choose the line, choose the winner, choose whatever you got, Brian. What do you think on this one? Uh, I'm going to go. Uh, I think I'm going to go with UT San Antonio here. Yeah, I'm with you, too. I feel like that program. In the last few years, it's just they're just consistent. They're yep. just being a consistent program. 
Uh, they have, I think, is an old Texas high school football head coach um, down there. I'm with you on that one. Um, I don't know enough about the spread. I ain't there betting that one. Yeah, I'm I'm going money line here. <laughs> money line only. All right. Friday night, Pac-12 championship, Utah versus USC. USC took a while to find the bed line on this one because Utah's got a few injured players. USC only a three-point favorite in this game. Um, and I'm sitting here. I watched that first game beginning to end, and it was a classic. And, again, the only reason Utah won is they had the stones to go for a two-point conversion late in the game. Yep. I think this one's going to be a little bit different. I think USC is going to win this one. I think they're going to not necessarily win it handily. I think they're going to keep Utah at an arm's length, somewhere between seven and 10 points the entire game. Similar to Notre Dame. And Utah is similar to Notre Dame. They like to run it, they like to play good defense. I'm going to say USC 34, Utah 20. Uh, I like USC to win and cover this one. Um, I think that this USC team now is better equipped to handle this game than they were the last go round Um, between what we saw against Notre Dame, um, how they've kind of closed out the season. uh, I think it's going to be, I think you're about right. I'm I'm going 31 24. So I think that's it's a full touchdown there. All righty. So that wraps up Friday night's game. There's only two. Unless there'd be three, but that is what it is. All right. <clears throat> the Maction on Saturday uh, afternoon, it's one of the 12 o'clock kicks. Toledo versus Ohio. Toledo, a one-and-a-half point favorite. Who do you got on this one, Brian? Man, I have not watched enough Maction this year to have a great feel about this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Toledo. It's our own know. fault, dude. We do Tuesday nights. I mean, <laughs> going on behind us while we're talking. It's our own fault. We're we're, we're sabotaging ourselves. We are, man. We we've missed out on the action every 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 game, man. Every game. All right, you said Toledo. Yeah, I'm going Toledo. I'm going not so fast, my friend. I will take those points. I think Ohio wins this game. Ohio seven and one in conference, nine and three overall. And, you know, their losses this year were Penn State, Iowa State, and Kent State. And they're currently on a seven-game winning streak. So, give me Ohio to win that one. All right. The other big-time 12 o'clock game is the Big 12. And it's going to be K-State versus TCU. TCU a slim, slim two-and-a-half point favorite. And, you know, if we take a look earlier this year, obviously the Big 12, everybody plays everybody. Obviously, TCU won that meeting earlier in the year, and TCU won that meeting earlier in the year. Uh, with a, you know, pretty you know, pretty balanced game. They won by 10 points. Um, the game was in Fort Worth. This game is in Dallas, so – you know, a pseudo home field advantage there for TCU. Um, the, the two and a half scares me because Kansas State's that type of team that can grind, right? And I still I worry about TCU getting in a grind fest, but 
I, I think from TCU, what we've seen all years, they answer. I'll lay the two and a half. I'll take TCU to lock up a playoff. Yeah, I think TCU is going to lock this up pretty handily. Um, mm. I, I don't think it's going to be a, a ten point game, but I think it's going to be a touchdown or more game. So okay, um, I, I like TCU in this one. Yeah. Um. I, I, again, I think between the de facto home game, the fact that they've I think they got their best shot from K-State last time. I think they take care of business. All righty. And, and, and just kind of knowing how that first game went is TCU was down 11 at half. It was 28-17. They shut out Kansas State in the second half and then proceeded to score 21 unanswered to win that game by 10. So kind of one of those weird flummox games. All right. And the next one – is the Sun Belt, Brian. It's Coastal versus Troy. Troy is a 10-point favorite. Coastal got absolutely shellacked up in Harrisonburg last weekend. Yes, they did. Which, uh, I don't know the whole story. Were they playing everybody? The game did not matter. JMU could not win anything from them. Um, and Troy's had a hell of a season. Troy's had a hell of a season in the Sun Belt. Um, Troy's 10-2. and 10-2. The only losses, Ole Miss and App State. And that was App State early in the season. Not when they were trucking. Season, yeah, when they when were they rolling. Were Who you got here? Uh, man, Tr- Troy always sneaks up on people. That's, I feel like that. that's what happens. I'm going to take Troy. I, I'm, I'm going to take Troy and the points. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I, I, I feel like 10 is just too big to lay it coastal. I'll lay two coastal. I know this game is, I believe it is down in Troy. Um, and, you know, it's just one of those – that shellacking doesn't seem right to me. Coastal doesn't play like that. You know, Coastal's one of those teams that can hang with just about anybody in the country. And to tell me they got just absolutely pounded, I don't get it. Maybe it's just playing a state of Virginia team because they got pounded two times this year, both by the state of Virginia. I think Troy wins. I think it's closer. I think it's close enough to where I'll take 10 in Coastal Carolina on this one. All right. Um, Mountain West Conference. Fresno State versus Boise. Uh, I have not watched any Mountain West this year. I'm going to be just very honest. No Mountain West whatsoever. So I'm just going to throw a shot in the dark and say uh, Boise lay the points. Uh, when in doubt, pick Boise. <laughs> that, that, that's a good philosophy. I'm going to take it here. All right, we're both taking Boise. All right, let's get to these afternoon games. The AAC UCF versus Tulane. Tulane, a three-point favorite. Um, what do you think on this one, Brian? Gus Malzahn versus Willie Fritz. I think it's going to be down in the Sugar Dome. In the Sugar Dome. In the Superdome. What do you got? So if if Fritz would have been at Georgia Tech, I would have absolutely taken UCF here. But since that chatter is off the table. I'm going to ride the two-lane wave. He keeps riding the wave. He keeps <laughs> riding that wave. 
and I'm riding it with you this time. So it's either going to go down in flames or we're riding it together. Tulane, lay the points. Um, I think it's going to be a good game, though. I think those two offenses um, make it interesting. And maybe Tulane's playing in the Sugar Bowl in their home stadium in just a few uh, short weeks here. All right, Brian. SEC Championship, LSU versus Georgia. Georgia all but locked in regardless what happens in this game. Yep. They are a 17-and-a-half point favorite. Uh, LSU just got boat raced down at, you know, the, the $100 million man's house with Jimbo. What do you think on this one? You know what? I like Georgia to win this one. Um, it's at 17 and a half. That's giving me pause. Um, I think it's a little, little too rich for my blood. So I, if it was money line, I'm taking Georgia. Um, but I'll take LSU against the spread. All right. Um, this is a tough one because that is a lot of, lot of points, a lot of points to, just lay and we've seen LSU keep up, but I also, I, I didn't get to watch that game. And I couldn't tell you how it took place, but I remember walking back into the man cave on Saturday night and looking over at the A&M LSU game and wondering how the hell are they losing them by 17? If you told me that was a three or a seven point game, I get it. Jimbo got his guys up. The crowd went crazy. It affected LSU. They were looking forward but I don't – I'm going to actually take Georgia and lay the points. I think they lay a freaking ass-whipping on LSU. Okay. I think they beat them like 42-21. I really do. All right, two more games here, Brian. The next is Big Ten. The Big Ten Wheel of Destiny, the West, <laughs> which – seriously, I think the Big Ten West may have been worse than the Coastal this year. In all seriousness, uh, there wasn't a good team out there. And that's Purdue takes on Michigan at 16 and a half. Michigan coming off the blowout win. I mean, Purdue's always got a good offense, but the way Michigan's lines are playing right now, give me Michigan. If this thing was 20 out of late 20, give me Michigan. The, the line is 16 and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Michigan all the way here. I don't think this one's really close. Um, Michigan has hit a different level than I thought they could reach this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we'll see if they can continue riding that going forward. But uh, I don't think there's any any reason to to bet against them right now after what we saw them do to Ohio State. Not at all. All right, last one here. Obviously the ACC championship where UNC takes on Clemson. Clemson is a a seven-and-a-half point favorite. Brian, what are you thinking on this one? You know what? Both of these teams kind of limping across the finish line. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's really a weird weird point to be in because I have no faith in either of these teams to do what I think they're capable of. True, but Clemson has the better defense, so I'm taking Clemson. All right, you're right. Clemson does have the better defense, but it gave up some points last week, and the offense looked discombobulated. And I do not think they can turn that in a week. 
and I don't think Dabo's going to come off DJ. Maybe if he had the nerve and go with the, the, the freshman. I don't know who wins the game, but the way these teams are both playing, I don't think anybody's blowing out anybody. And in that case, I'll take Carolina, give me the points. I don't know who's going to win the game, but I'll take Carolina with points. Fair. All right, Brian. Anything breaking the last few minutes here? Uh, nothing that I think we should really talk about. <laughs> I think we're clear, man. I think we're clear. What in the hell? I mean, media <laughs> sites here. All right. Well, while I'm looking at that, that is going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. And the Boundary Corner Podcast is brought to you by the Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia. Visit our website, BoundaryCornerBT.com, to listen to all of our episodes. While you're there, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Your favorite podcast source, including Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Podcasts. As always, we let our buddy Jason Long play us in, play us out. Go to jasonlongmusic.com where it will link you to all of his music on Apple, Spotify, his YouTube account, his Facebook pages. There's also a good section to show you where Jason's going to be playing live. And this week he's going to be playing live at Golden Cactus Brewing Company down in Roanoke at the pop-up brunch from 12 to 4 on Sunday. So go check that out. We thank you guys for listening. And as always, let's go. Okies. Okay.